All right, this is episode number 85 of the Bearded Marketers Podcast. It's the only internet marketing podcast that matters. You're listening, so of course you know that. I'm Rob. <laughs> and I'm Corey. We drop the latest and greatest in internet marketing every Monday morning, roughly, maybe the afternoon, depending on where you are or if I get up late and have a rough Sunday. <laughs> um, we bring the latest and greatest every Monday morning at thebeardedmarketers.com slash podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Please leave us a rating and review. Spread the word. Get your coworkers and colleagues and lovers and friends and followers listening to the podcast. Send your suggestions to 904-270-9603. We'll cover the topic on the next episode. We love hearing from our Absolutely. listeners. We get tired of researching ourselves. There's yeah. so many bad articles that we have to pour over. So hearing from the listeners what they actually yeah. care about, oh, godsend. So definitely send in your suggestions. We spend entirely too many hours every week trying to find good content to bring you guys. So if you find something, hit us up. It will help everybody else out. All right. Enough of that. What are we drinking to get into the mood? What are you doing? Tonight I'm drinking, going back to an old faithful Talisker 10, nice, smoky, not too peaty scotch. How about yourself? We're running sadly low on supplies here <laughs> in the Bearded Marketers recording studio. Times have been tough. Yeah, so I'm going to a super OG, Presbyterian, Okay, I think. At least it's my version of it. That's bourbon, ginger beer, and lime? Yeah, we're out of lime now, so we're missing one of the key <laughs> ingredients. This is so sans skele citrus. skeleton crew over here. <laughs> Let's go ahead and hop into the topics. No jibber-jabber. First and foremost, we're going to kick it off with some Facebook like gates are no more. First of all, what is that? And two, why that's going to be applicable to your business. Free shipping is not enough. Oh, I'm just going to leave it at that. Five different email recovery angles. How can you bring back those people to give you more monies or more information? And then wrapping up the episode, it would not be one if we didn't cover what our friends in Mountain View are doing. Google, what are some things that you need to be paying attention to that they're rolling out? So first, let's kick it off. Facebook, our favorite social media network. Rob is on a daily creeping on people. Never had kidding. an account. You know had... that. Don't you dare put that on me. So let's go into what are some of the new rumblings from yeah. Mr. Zuckerberg. So knowing that I've never had an account, I am the most qualified person to be speaking about marketing on Facebook, of mm -hmm. course. You um, market on Facebook. You just don't necessarily have yes, an account. Yes, exactly. Well, I have an account for an ad account. That's about okay, it. There you go. People friend me. I don't I don't know how to use that thing now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, an article from Marketing Land titled, Facebook is tearing down the like gate. Are you ready? By the time you are listening to this podcast episode, this has already occurred. So oh. check your Facebook marketing, whatever. If you, if you take advantage of the like gate, what is the like gate? I'll explain it to you right now. Okay. That's like, well as my question. Yeah, like gates were the most common usage of a like gate is let's say I have a Facebook page, I'm a company, I want to run a contest. Part of the way you enter into this contest is you have to like our page. Okay. That's the most basic Hate those, but sort of like gate, right? So <laughs> to enter our contest, you have to like us, right? Okay. So that's considered a like gate. Now there are a million other ways that this is done. A common thing that I've noticed in the uh, the music space is like it to get a free download right. of our song or something like that. Mm -hmm. So incentive based liking is what they're trying to get rid of. So this is going to be basically turned off. The ability to do this new rules now will be in place. 
the functionality that people were taking advantage of to make this possible mm-hmm. will no longer exist. Okay. To me, this feels like a long time coming. I know Twitter has had rules against this sort of thing for a mm-hmm. while. Entering contests with tweets and follows and things like that has always been frowned upon. So it sounds like it's about time that Facebook has caught on to this stuff. I don't know why this is coming seemingly out of the blue. I do think, though, that this is going to drastically affect how people can promote on Facebook in regards to direct action campaigns that they try to run, right? Mm -hmm. How are we very easily going to get people to enter our contests or get our free things and know who they are and also inflate our fake Facebook like (laughs) page numbers? Yeah. How are we going to do all these things in the same way? I'm curious to see what kind of games people come up with to get around some of this stuff. Sure. You know, if you've been using contests and these sort of light gates in the past, it's going to be super hard to just completely walk away from that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot well, of Well, now that, that you've reaped right. the benefits, maybe right. it's a little easier, but those <laughs> that haven't, right. it's like, oh man, come on. People who disagree with the strategy in general have some pretty good complaints against it, right? So what's the point of running a contest and forcing people to like your page if those likes aren't really going to be worth much ultimately anyway. And I think um, that's maybe where Facebook's coming from. It's incentive-based stuff. And I think part of where they're coming from is simply that, you know what this reminds me of is Google's crackdown on paid links. Exactly. It's Mm -hmm. like you're messing with our algorithm that's trying to find out who has popular engaging content on Facebook by artificially inflating likes on pages or Mm -hmm. pieces of content. So we're having a harder time understanding what people want to be paying attention to because basically you're spamming our algorithm. Right. And, you know, for different reasons, but there is some crossover, as you mentioned, to Google. You know, from Facebook's standpoint, likes are somewhat of a proxy for authority. You know, likes should be indicative of how much people enjoy your service or find you as a value to the ecosystem, things of that nature. And when you're using these sort of tactics to game that, I think Facebook's concern, which I think might be arriving here a little bit too late, is the perceived value of those counters and that element within our ecosystem now has been diminished because it has been so inflated by so many people. It's become an unreliable tool for distinguishing if I should actually trust the source and what they're saying Mm -hmm. or, or whatever it might be. So I do think that Facebook is trying to manage reputation. But to your point, people that are gaming the system that makes it difficult, not only from the users and to sniff for quality and things of that nature, but for Facebook to understand really who the main players are. To your point, it's a long time coming, but maybe it's a little bit too late. Mm -hmm. But for companies that rely on these, definitely going to be a big change up. It'd be interesting to see what's going to happen now with all of these plugins and tools that rely on this service. What's going to be the user experience? So if you're a company that relies on Facebook like gates to potentially do something, keep in mind, one, this is going away. And by the time you're probably listening to it, it already has. So that means that you should probably spot check that experience for people, make sure it's not extremely broken to where they're going to a non-existent page, things of that nature. But as Rob said, I think it's just going to mean that you're going to have to get more intelligent and clever about how you're going to work within these social channels. And some of the easy picking the low hanging fruit maybe isn't just going to be as readily available as it once was. Well, putting my tinfoil hat on for a minute here. Does it ever come off? No. <laughs> Can you hear it? <laughs> I'm tapping yeah. my head right now. That was a terrible sound effect. Um, <laughs> low budget here on the Bearded Marketers. I don't have one of those. 
soundboards over here, <laughs> like one of those call-in <laughs> shows. <laughs> but anyway, so putting on my tinfoil hat for a second, I wonder if, you know, because I did, you know, hint at the parallel between Google and links and Facebook and likes. I wonder if this is similar in the way that Google started going down the road with paid links you know, years ago, meaning they, they first came out and said, stop doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so people didn't really stop doing it. Right. So then Google had to introduce algorithms that tried to sniff these things out and discount them. So mm-hmm. I wonder if Facebook is either already going down this road or has future plans for, okay, we have to start figuring out because it seems like likes are becoming more important. We have to start figuring out which, how do we know what a legitimate like looks like? Mm-hmm. And the unique position that Facebook is in is that it all happens on their platform. Right. So they have all that user information. They know how long you spent on a page before you liked it. What does that sort of tell you about how legitimate a like might be? Sure. Do you ever come back to that page? Do you like any of their future content? Well, access- and also they have so many sites have integrations in with Facebook so they can also peer into your user habits outside of their ecosystem as well, depending on how egregious they want to be at sort of observing your browsing patterns outside of even their ecosystem. Right. And ultimately turn into a Google that can sort of discount some Mm -hmm. categories of likes from certain types of people that interact with your brand in certain ways and and come up with a true like count for brands. Almost like a cloud score that's assessed by them, not necessarily just your sole like counter. Exactly. And then like Google, they never told people about this. (laughs) And then they'll release a webmaster tools (laughs) that actually give you some insight into it. Yeah. You know, (laughs) 10 years from now when there is no more Facebook because we're using something else. Right. Everybody's on Tinder in 10 years. <laughs> I don't care to talk to my mom. Just who, who are the hot women in town? Right. I'm just flipping through. I don't have All a right. Tinder account either. <laughs> You're smiling a lot over there. Anyways, so if you do use Facebook, particularly to grow your social interactions, particularly using some light gates, maybe it's to unlock things or to do downloads, things of that nature, just know that that functionality is going away. But to Rob's point, what does the future hold? This is something that you really need to consider and how Facebook is going to assess how do we determine quality from these pages and and understanding that your social media planning needs to mature and how you are interacting with your audience. So keep that in mind. Could be a big shakeup for some people. Let's move right along. Free shipping is not enough. So this is a very interesting article in which I came across on Crazy Eggs blog this week. And really the crux of it, and I think it's a good topic for discussion, particularly with my work in e-commerce, I see this a lot, where companies feel like they come up with this strategy, this value proposition, if you will, on why people should buy from them. A lot of it gets centered around promotions or shipping. And they think, and this is low budget sound effect, washing my hands, that's all the work that I need to do. Now let me sit back and count my monies coming in because people will come in and see that obviously I'm the best choice because we offer free shipping and my abandoned cart rate will go down to essentially zero. And if it's not, there must be obviously another problem. And that's really not the case. You know, a few years ago when Amazon and some of the other sites out there were leading the charge into starting to go into this free shipping world, it was novel. It was something that was a huge 
value add to the site that was unique in the e-commerce space, but that's no longer enough. And I think we've actually talked about that. I, I know that you've mentioned it before on the podcast where, you know, at this point, free shipping, that's almost come as an expectation mm-hmm. just in some verticals. Really, the charge to companies is you need to think about in greater detail why people would choose to shop with you. And I think this goes to maybe the conversations we've had on past episodes really about discovering your value proposition. But what this article talks about in particular is some of the things that people find of value, which I think that some companies really need to take into heart. And I know that I've talked a lot about e-commerce thus far, but I don't think that these just apply to e-commerce and that Legion or other companies can really take these into account. Because again, this is what users are coming to expect, not just from e-commerce sites, but just providers in general. And so Crazy Egg sources a couple different studies in which users are surveyed into what is important to them in their shopping visit, other than just promotions or free shipping. uh, What are key drivers for them deciding to purchase with someone? You know, tracking delivery is always a high one in these types of studies. I would move away from that because to me, that's a given. I mean, we are in 2014, at least for the next couple of months. Tracking my order should be a given. And if you don't do that well, that can be a huge detractor away from me actually purchasing from you. You know, I, we live in this hyper tracking world and I need to know all these details. I have all these apps. I'm checking it every uh, 10 minutes. Right. I mean, it, it's out on the vehicle. I need to see yeah. when it delivers. Yeah. A couple of the other things that are starting to come online and start to surface as major players in these studies though that companies need to take note of is one online chat and instant messaging. Understand that culture is changing, at least here in the U.S. People don't like talking face-to-face anymore. They like to chat and they like to instant message. So you might want to play around with how you implement that on your site and what influences your conversion rate at that point. I will say I have had some experience in this space. And one of the things that you need to bridge well is adding some friction into online chat and instant messaging sometimes is a good thing. Having the availability to chat with an agent or someone at your company is a great feature for people, but it can be abused and understand that there's a real fiscal cost there. I mean, there is a cost to adding promotions to a site, giving free shipping away that eats at margin, but paying for bodies and seats to take questions is not only a cost to the business in just hours or salaries or whatever it may be, but you actually need to train that person to understand what they're talking about because the other end of online chat and instant message is it does open up a little bit of risk. You know, now these are agents that are speaking on behalf of your company. And so while it might be a great value add for your website, understand there is a real cost to it, but there is also a risk to now opening up more communication to people that might be a little bit unfiltered. And so returning back to the point I had, sometimes asking users to invest some effort into understanding why they're talking to you today, or maybe not putting live chat on all your pages might be the best mix for you. You know, sometimes the availability of that can be abused for people where talking to you about things where they can easily get that information or they're just wasting time. I would also recommend companies to track their chats as well and understand why people are are actually engaging with instant message. You might find that 
people are doing it, not necessarily because they want to chat with you just of their own volition, but it might be because your website is lacking in communicating some pretty key things that people are interested in. So sometimes online chat can be a good channel to understand what changes to your website you need to make to essentially increase your conversions. You know, another thing that I wanted to talk about that I think does not get enough attention. So you know, we're talking about this concept of free shipping is not enough, is concentrating on your user experience. And in particular, how fast and responsive is your website? So what can be a big differentiator for you in your competitive field is how fast your site is and how frustration free it can be. You know, it's becoming more and more apparent that users are less tolerant of poor websites. And, you know, we're, we've covered on the podcast as well, that search engines are also starting to communicate poor websites. You know, Google, part of their algorithm now is assessing your site speed. They're also notifying mobile users if their website is not mobile friendly, things of that nature. And I think as a company, other than just promotions and what we can do to sort of trick users, think about what your experience actually is on your website. The fonts readable, do your pages render out quickly? Are the images well shot? Do they look professional? Is your design fresh? Does it articulate well the professionalism of your company? All these types of things make that difference. And even though you might be neck and neck with a competitor, it's sometimes these user experience differences that just make it more refreshing to be on your site. It's an enjoyable experience. There's these cool things going on, or I'm not just sitting at my phone or my desktop just waiting for this site to render out. It's a, a speedy experience and it's enjoyable. Enjoyable. So I think as a company, you need to think about some of these novelty things like free shipping or whatever it might be no longer is enough. You need to be thinking about these non-sexy things, things like site speed and how quickly my site is rendering out. Well, I mean, I think those are great points. I mean, you all you have to do is simply look at the retail real world store, mm -hmm. walk through the mall, walk into a high-end designer store and experience that right. and then walk into a discount store and experience mm -hmm. that. And, and the feeling is so massively different. Those sort of principles should be applied to websites. Sure. That's a great point. So just take that into account. I think a lot of people need to hear that message. You know, if you are sort of stuck in a web 2000 strategy where, you know, you feel like you've had some small tricks to get people in, whether that is offering a free month of service or free shipping or whatever it might be, just take a look at your whole process and think about how are we treating customers? You know, do we have things like online chat that people are starting to value more? Do we have product videos? How fast is our website? Does it work well on all devices? Things of that nature. Those are becoming paramount as you try to differentiate yourself from your competitor. The other thing that has become a much bigger thing for users as it's become adopted much more readily by users is video demonstration, or basically video on websites. And that is using the products, that's displaying the products, talking about your company, explaining what you do, things of that nature. People are using videos more and more. We're seeing that at least most of the companies that we're working with. 
it has become a great channel to really engage people in a different format. You know, websites are great. HTML5 is great. Animations are great. Uh, there's a lot that you can do with a website, but sometimes video as a vehicle is just a completely different animal in exuding what you want as a company and potentially condensing down a very complex web process into a very short video can help save a lot of time, both on your end, but also the user side of things. So Videos become a big thing for users. You know, it used to be an issue with mobile devices and things of that nature. Luckily, technology has progressed where most of those issues are now mitigated. So if you've written video off in the past, it's something that you really need to pay attention to. A lot of users are starting to come to expect that, but also it can help differentiate you from your competitors. Yeah, a couple things I wanted to add there, backing up just a minor step where you're talking about customer support and uh, online chat and things like that. You talked about tracking some of those elements. I just want to reiterate how important it is if you're going to do online chat to track everything about it, what kinds of questions people are asking mm -hmm. from where they're asking these questions. I mean, are they trying to engage in online chat from your checkout cart process, from product pages, from your homepage? Where are they trying to ask these questions? And then what do these people end up doing? Do they end up buying? Is online chat actually making you more money right. or are you just squandering resources by answering a bunch of dumb questions uh, to customers? Maybe aren't even buying. Maybe are buying, but aren't buying more often mm -hmm. because you're answering their questions. So in the grand scheme of things, it would be great if we could just offer free, re you know, free help to all of our customers. Sure. But realistically, that's impossible. And so you have to really run those ROI numbers. And of course, like you pointed out, pay attention to what people are asking and maybe actually try to answer those questions on the pages themselves mm -hmm. instead of for forcing them to use online chat. And then finally, you know, video, which you touched on there, video tutorials. I mean, that's, that's so hot right now, <laughs> but especially right. for SaaS companies mm -hmm. out there, if you have some crazy software, man, you need to have some video tutorials, especially like as soon as people sign up, boom, I'm right in my account. Show me a tutorial video that right. shows me how the hell to use this damn thing. And speaking of which have some great email sends going out over the next okay. week for people. That was a little to bit of a them along. Yeah, exactly. Did you have anything else about that? Or yeah, uh, two other things that I okay. want to talk about is one, be careful of the rewards club, loyalty club trap. I think a lot of people think, oh, free shipping is not enough. Let's just have a rewards club. And we've covered that on the podcast before. You know, this may be a carryover from physical retail where people had these loyalty programs to track what people are buying and things like that. Oftentimes those are deployed horribly. And the problem that you come into there is not only are you having people make decisions whether or not they want to purchase from you or go with a service or give you information, things of that nature, but now you're sort of injecting this loyalty program into the thought process. And now I'm having to make a determination. One, do I even like you enough to give you my information? And two, what's up with this loyalty program? Is it even worth my time? Oh, it's not this is a joke. Mm -hmm. Well, now I'm like out of there. So just be very careful of trying to answer, well, if free shipping's not enough, I'll just have a rewards club. I think one of the items that people really don't execute well on and can really help differentiate you as a company is coming up with really great content on your site that causes people to feel reassured about what they're absorbing on said site. So in particular, I feel like many, many companies do not deploy well, like buying guides or understanding understanding compatibility or showing off their products, you know, video can really facilitate a lot of this. But I think a lot of companies do not execute a great content strategy well enough to, in the way of 
making me feel assured about my decision, but also something that's like shareable to other people, this concept of evergreen content on our website. So if free shipping is not enough or these small tips and tricks that we've become accustomed to, think about how you can differentiate yourself and become an authority in the space. Maybe it's generating a piece of content that everyone links to because it's the best CRM buying guide that one could come up with or Mm -hmm. whatever. Maybe it's a shoe buying guide to end all shoe buying guides for everyone. It's these types of things that really differentiate yourself and where you need to focus as a company. Sometimes you can't just promo your way out of competing over visitors. It's these types of things that not only separate yourself, but help you grow into different traffic channels as well. So think about how you can differentiate yourself. Don't crutch on established promos like free shipping, things of that nature, because they are getting long in the tooth. And at the end of the day, it's an easy barrier for your competitors to maybe pick up on. So think about how you can diversify yourself and become a leader in the space without necessarily relying on those easy tricks. Amazing. I'm going to talk pretty quickly here. We don't have long attention spans, right? Obviously, I can't listen to more than six tips on something. So that's a tip for you for your next time you do a segment. This one has exactly five top five tips on email recovery campaigns and the different angles I can use in these. So for those of you who are unaware, come on, get on our level. Everybody who runs email campaigns these days, if you have customer information, you better be tracking, and I'm talking things like email address, some method of contacting them. If you have their information, you better be tracking what they're doing on your website and have the ability to send automated emails to them based on the actions they take. The most simplest example, and I think this is where a lot of this came from. I mean, I remember running tests like this shit like a decade ago, Mm -hmm. back OG days. (laughs) Uh, As you were going through the process of checking out an e-commerce store, one of those steps would have grabbed your email address. Subsequent steps, I would keep track of how far you went. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you didn't purchase, I'd send you an email a couple hours later going, what's up? Why didn't you buy from us, right? Need some help? Exactly. And so these five tips are five different angles you could take with emails like that. You could apply this to anything. Again, if you're a SaaS and you have a multi-step process, or maybe you have people sign up for free trials and they never did anything. You could take this approach. A lot of different approaches. I think this applies to a lot of different companies out there. Leads is another perfect example. People who don't reply to your follow-up emails, you can send them things like this. All right, so number one, urgency. Also, I I do want to give credit again to where I got this from. So this is from marketingland.com. The first tip is urgency. So this one, obviously... It almost doesn't even really apply to these sort of recovery emails. It's just applying that sort of XX ends today. You know, whatever they were maybe signing up for, the sale on that ends today. This is the last day to sign up for whatever it is they were in the process of signing up for. Using urgency in those recovery emails can be a great strategy to use. Number two, and this is what I used extensively a decade or so ago. And that is the sort of concern or caring approach, which was, hey, it looks like you weren't able to check out. um, Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see if you were having maybe technical problems or anything else. Is there anything I can do to help you complete your purchase process, registration, whatever it was? 
So that can work pretty well. It may come across as not very genuine, depending on how easy your process may be. I mean, it could be very straightforward and seem weird if you're asking questions like that. But I think that's something that could work for some people, especially if you have a complex product. Actually, I've used that quite a bit. And one of the reasons why I tend to lean towards that method is problem with urgency sometimes is that's wrapped up in promotion, you know, complete within the next 24 hours. And here's a coupon for your troubles or whatever it might be. And what can happen a lot of times, depending on how your company is deploying urgency, is people get accustomed to expecting that or word gets out, hey, if I go, and this is not necessarily the case, but if I go to Zap, I put in my information and I exit out, they're going to give me a 10% coupon off. And you start to condition your users to go through certain steps because they know about your recovery process and things like that. So I find that the customer service route, maybe we could call it, tends to work a little bit better because you don't set yourself up for dealing with people that have gotten savvy enough and realize that this is an automated process. And if I want to rebuy or tell all my friends, hey, just abandon out and you'll get a 10 percent off coupon. But also, you know, you did mention it it's going to take some copy work, but it can come across as a pretty genuine that you're helping users out. And to your point, some of us have very complex sales. In particular, one of the clients that I've worked with for quite a while sells high-performance car parts. And the difficulty that exists in their industry is when you buy a part from them, it's not necessarily I'm just changing out my wheels or whatever. Uh, It's a major purchase. It might mean that you are buying a lot of parts for your car because it's a big upgrade or there's going to be a lot of commitment from you installing these parts or what you're going to have to do to eventually get your car back up and running. So they have a very complex sales cycle and that's not necessarily indicative of just their industry. I mean, maybe whatever you're offering to customers is a big decision point, whether that's not necessarily just in price, but effort that they're going to have to do to, you know, see it through And so having these sort of recovery emails offering up, hey, you know, I understand this is difficult. Let me help guide you through this can oftentimes be a great way for you to start that dialogue with customers and to be that shepherd, so to say, into waters that they might not be familiar with and they might need some expert level customer service help them feel comfortable about that decision. So three more to do. Number three is a polite reminder. So this is sort of a twist on the concern, a caring one, except you don't take the can I help you approach. You just sort of go, hey, it looks like you left three things in your shopping cart with a link to sort of complete the purchase. Or it looks like you didn't complete your registration for this webinar. Here's a link to to make sure you're all signed up and ready to go. It's a pretty straightforward one there. Mm -hmm. And that, that one can work pretty well, too. Number four, extra or premium offer. This one seems obvious. If someone made it to the cart and maybe they didn't get there, this is sort of what you're talking about. Let's give them a a discount coupon, right? People may become accustomed to those things or, you know, that type of email is more likely to get hit into a spam box or get ignored, especially depending on the type of subject line you're using there. The last one I'm going to talk about, they titled this one Other Benefit. I want to call it more like reframing. And I think depending on your offer, this may not work as well for for an e-commerce site, but I think it could still, it allows you to spin your value prop for whatever it is you're selling in a completely different way to try to recover people who may not, who obviously the original sales value prop you're using didn't quite work on them. Let's flip it on its end and let's try something else for this recovery type of email. So let's say 
you know, our, our website is heavily talking about pricing. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe our recovery email just talks about how many other people use our product, right? Let's talk about a different angle we have on our product and just flip it on its head and just right. see if that recovers some of these people. And I think that's something you would definitely want to test a couple different angles. Uh, so just sort of that reframing of your product to test out, you know, what was this person looking for? And maybe we can hit it with this email recovery. Right. Or even having a unique campaign to that, maybe allowing someone else to talk about your product. Maybe it's a testimonial type drip campaign. Hey, I know that you were looking at this. I think a lot of people, when they abandon out, you know, obviously some fall into price shock and things of that nature, but they feel a little bit unsure. So you can either take the guidance route, which we covered, or having that social reinforcement sometimes of testimonials or, hey, check out our video wall of satisfied customers could be a great way to get people over the hump. So thinking about what those particular strategies might be. One last thing I wanted to add on this topic before we move on, because I've seen an explosion of these types of emails, these automated marketing emails, is be very careful about how personally you do get and making it Mm -hmm. seem like it's coming from a particular person. If you make it seem like it's coming from a customer service person, people are more likely to reply. And now you have to have somebody manning that email (laughs) address to actually reply. Mm -hmm. So be careful about that type of approach. something you're going to have to tweak and find out. But don't make it seem like it's coming from someone personally emailing a would-be customer because they're going to get a lot of replies. All right, that's all I had on that. What 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 are you doing? So the last thing that we'll talk about, this is our Google Corner, one of my favorites. <laughs> Talking about the happenings in Mountain View that you need to pay attention to. A couple things this week. One, if you work with AdWords Shopping, know that there are some new reports within the Google Analytics website, within the Google Analytics tools, so you can get an even greater view into how your AdWords Shopping campaigns are doing. Next thing that we're going to cover, and this is more in the <clears throat> this is more in the SEO world, but something that's been interesting is if you're not familiar, Matt Cutts is the head of the spam team at Google, and he's recently taken a sabbatical from his role as head wrecker of dreams and coming <laughs> up with Google's spam strategy to essentially assess where people live within the results. And he's actually extended his leave from Google. And one of the comments that he's had is, I feel that even in my absence, Google is doing a good enough job at keeping up with the spam portion of internet. And I feel like I can continue my leave and things still operate smoothly. So understand that there is some flux at Google and how they're assessing what websites are legitimate or not and their SEO strategies and how their algorithms work. Just an interesting tidbit that I came across. It's a fascinating search engine land article, which we'll tweet out. But lastly, if you work within the local search category, maybe you get some organic traffic from local listings. Maybe it's multi-office approach, things of that nature. You have clients that do local search. Just know that Google is still slowly rolling out their Penguin update. So this is 3.0 for them. And really what Penguin does, I know we have a lot of animal names that we cover. Google's Penguin update looks at when you are searching for something, potentially it's maybe a pizza spot. It will actually return local results. And so Penguin is an algorithm that tries to return more relevant results to those people that might be searching for local specific key terms. Just know that that's still rolling out. So if you've read places that penguins come and gone. That's not actually true. So if you do rely on local search, you still might see some mix up there. I guess with any Google algorithm update, there are some praises and some moanings out there. So just pay attention 
to your organic search. As Rob mentioned in the past, Google Webmaster Tools, you should be really paying attention to that. How are you sitting? How's that traffic coming in? But that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for your time. We enjoyed ourselves and hopefully you did as well. If you could leave us a like or a rating on whatever channel you found us on, it helps us not only grow the show, but understand what we need to change to make it even better for you. Also, if you have an idea for the show, maybe you sit there and listen every week and think, hmm, those beer guys are pretty smart. What do you think about this? Let us know. Maybe you're struggling with something. The boss is yelling at you. You don't really know where to turn. We have a lot of experience in this space, so feel free to contact us, which you can do one of many things. One, you can give us a call at 904-270-9603. You can also text us there. Rob waits by the phone day and night. You can also reach out to us on thebeardmarketers.com slash contact or on Twitter. We're quite active there as well, which we will tweet out all the links to the show. Thank you again so much for your time, and we'll see you next week. Cheers.